Chronicles chapter number 12. First Chronicles chapter number 12. I want you to remain seated today if you don't mind. And uh, we're going to jump right into this if we could. And like I said, I don't plan on keeping any longer than the Lord would have us to. Uh, but I believe I have something that the Lord's given us today that we're going to need in the days ahead. And I'll be honest with you, it kind of makes me nervous with the choir sitting back there behind me. So do your best. Keep your eye on the choir. Uh, make sure that they're not falling asleep during the service, especially as it's going to go a little longer than normal. And uh, I told them earlier, I said, I'm self-conscious that you're staring at the back of my head and seeing my bald spot back there. I try to hide it, and I try to keep where people can see it. Uh, but I just feel so subconscious with all those eyes staring back to that shiny spot on the back of my head today. So you keep an eye on the choir and let me know if they start to doze off. First Chronicles chapter 12, look down to verse number 1, if you will, and we're going to read down and skip through several verses. The Bible says, Now these are they that came to David to Ziklag, while he yet kept himself close because of Saul, the son of Kish. And they were among the mighty men, helpers of the war. The Bible says they were armed with bows and could use both the right hand and the left in hurling stones and shooting arrows out of a bow, even of Saul's brethren of Benjamin. Now, Look back down, if you will, all the way to verse number 32. The Bible says, And of the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do, the heads of them were two hundred, and all their brethren were at their commandment. Of Zebulun, such as went forth to battle, expert in war, with all instruments of war, fifty thousand, which could keep rank, they were not of a double heart. Let's stop there and pray together. Father, thank you for the great privilege it is to be back in your house today. Thank you for all of those that were able to make it here on property. Thank you for those that are watching via live stream today. Be with each and every one. Now, Father, as you've granted us this great privilege to be back in your house, I do pray, Lord, and just beg you this morning to keep us safe. Uh, Lord, keep a hedge about us from the germs that might be around and, Lord, from anything that would get us sick. And, Lord, please allow us to stay in the building. Allow us, Father, to continue to meet and to fellowship and to sing praises to you all together as a church body. Now, Lord, I believe I have what you have us to preach today, and I pray you'd help me. Give me great grace to say exactly what you'd have us to say, what you'd not have us to say. I pray you'd help us to be silent on, and then help us to receive it and respond to it during the invitation, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If I did my math correct last night, it's been about 210 days since we have gathered together in this building as a church body. We've been able to gather together in separate services at 9 and 11 and on Sunday nights for Sunday school classes. We've been able to gather together on Wednesday nights, but this is the first Sunday, I believe, since around March the 15th that we've been able to gather together to see each other, to sing praises together. And I want you to know, I think the roof was shaking just a little bit this morning as we came together and sang How Great Thou Art, because our God is so great to allow us the privilege to come back here again. Uh, I never thought that I would question back in March when we we decided to go all live stream for safety. I never thought that I would question whether or not we would come back, but there have been times over the last couple of months I wondered whether or not we would be able to come back as a church, and now God has allowed us to be here, and I'm so thankful for that, and I hope you're thankful for that this morning too. I hope we'll never take it for granted again. I hope we'll never hesitate coming to church. I hope when we wake up in the morning, our bodies don't feel like being here on Sunday morning. I hope we're going to come because we're going to remember what it was like not to be able to be here and to see each other's smiling face and hear that wonderful choir singing. I don't think any of us could have imagined all of the changes that would take place in our lives since March. We've had a pandemic. 
Uh, we've had lockdowns and isolations. We've had national unrest. We've had political division. We've had tornadoes. We've had hurricanes. And, and now my football team has lost two games uh, out of three this year. It's just been a rough 2020 for all of us. I mean, that's what I blame it on. I mean, it's just been a rough 2020 for all of us. And I want you to know I've been looking forward to this day. Throughout all of the difficulty and all the adversity we've gone through, I've just longed to be back in the house of God with God's people. And I want to say it's an understatement of the year. It's been a long time coming. And it's good to see you here this morning. I was thinking about the little boy. He was on an escalator. Uh, I was standing at the very top of the escalator. And the lady was making her way up, riding the escalator. Noticed this young man just standing there looking at the stairs as they came back and went into the floor. As she got up the stairs watching, he just stared and stared and stared. And she says, young man, can I help you with something? He says, I'm just waiting. And she says, well, what are you waiting for? He says, well, when I jumped on the escalator, my bubble gum came out of my mouth and fell down on one of the steps. And I know it's around here somewhere, so I'm just waiting for my gum to come back around. And he was going to pick it up. I feel like that little boy this morning. I've been waiting for this day to come back around. I've told you many times, Brother Bolt asked us back in March, how long do you think we're going to be out of church? And I said, well, at least for a couple of weeks. Little did we know it would be 210 days before we got back here. But I'm so thankful that our opportunity has come back around. And God's blessed us with the privilege to be back in his house. After seven months of being scattered and waiting for this opportunity, God has blessed us with the chance to be a part of his work again. And I hope we take full well advantage of that today in the days ahead. This morning in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, we such, such is the case with David. Uh, we learned about David back in 1 Samuel 16 where God has anointed him to be the future king of Israel. But even though God has anointed him to be king, he's not assumed the throne just yet. As a matter of fact, it would be about 15 years after David was anointed to be king before he would actually assume the role as a king. So even though God had given him a calling and given him a work, he had to wait for his opportunity to come around. And now we're reading in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, the opportunity has arrived for David to assume the throne. Saul has died, and now here's David's opportunity to follow through and to carry out what God's called him to do. What's interesting is we read chapter number 12. Now, don't catch up on your Bible reading during church, okay? Read it when you get home. But when you read chapter 12, you begin to see a grocery list of here, here of all of these people that God is bringing together to be a part of the work that God has called David to do. We could read down through here and see all of the tribes and the different people that God is sending to be a part of the work that God's called them to do. Now, here's what's wonderful. Hudson Taylor, the great missionary to China, said this, God's will done God's way will never lack God's supply. And here is God calling David to a great work to lead this nation. And now we see in chapter 12, God is bringing all of these people to be a part of the work that he's called David to. Now, here's what's interesting. God's not just calling them to be there. God is calling them to be a part of the work for which he has called them to do. And this morning I want you to understand I'm so thankful that God's allowed us to be here today. We've been scattered. We've been separated. We've been isolated. Uh, I mean, listen, we've just been away from this place and away from each other and away from the work of God. And I'm so thankful to be here this morning. But can I tell you something? We're not just here to be here. 
As God was bringing these people to David to be a part of the great work that was here, he was allowing them to come together to carry on the work for which he had called David to. And I believe this morning that if you're glad to be here, you ought to be more than just glad to be here. You ought to be excited about being here and the opportunity to carry on the work for which God has called us to here at Central Baptist Church. I want you to remember this this morning. We're coming together for the sake of carrying on. I'm glad this morning that we're having the privilege to carry on the work of Central Baptist Church. Now, the work has gone on the last seven months, but not with the might and the power and the fervor that we normally do. But God has allowed us to gather back together again to carry on the great work of Central Baptist Church. And this morning, we're going to look at just a few of the people that God has led to David. And we're going to watch as God gathers these people back together. As God brings all of these people to be a part of the work that he's called David to do, there's a special trait that each and every one of them have to carry on the work that God desires they be a part of. And so this morning, we're going to look at a very simple thought on coming together to carry on. Coming together to carry on. I believe God has granted us through his abundant grace the great privilege to be gathered back together. I mean, there have been times I have wept over wondering whether we would all be able to come back together as a church as this pandemic has spread. And yet God has allowed us to come together. But listen, this is not the end game. The end game was just not getting back in this building. We have come together to carry on. And the great work for which God has called us to this morning is still in need of those who will step up to the plate and be engaged as we set out to do in January. Listen, the mission of this church may have been paused just for a little while. It may have been interrupted just for a little while. But the ministry and the mission of Central Baptist Church must be carried on. And God's allowed us to come together. Now let's decide this morning. We're going to carry on the work. And we're going to look at a few people this morning. And they're going to give us an example of what's going to be required to do just that. Look down to verse 1. There's something really good right there in the first verse. The Bible says, now these are they that came to David. So here are these people. God's bringing all of these people together to be a part of the work that God's doing through David. The Bible says they came to David to Ziklag while he yet kept himself close because of Saul, the son of Kish. Now watch closely. And they were among the mighty men, helpers of the war. war. Helpers of the war. Now, each of these people are bringing something David's going to need. And the first thing that David was going to need was he was going to need some helpers for the war. Let me tell you something I love to watch. I love to watch as God calls people to ministry, whether it be missionaries on a foreign field or God calls people to pastor here in the United States or God calls someone to a ministry here within our church. It always amazes me watching God bring the pieces together that are needed to carry on the work for which they're called. But notice this group of people in verse number one. They saw the great need of what God was doing through David. They saw the opposition that he was going to face. You know what they decided? They decided, hey, why don't we go help him in the war? Number one this morning, we've come together to carry on. And if the work is going to carry on, we're going to need this first trait, and that's a heart to help. We're going to need a heart to help. You say, what do you mean by that? We've got to be willing this morning to see the great need that is in front of us and be willing to do what they did in verse number one and come to be a part of the great work of the calling of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know if you know this, but we're in a spiritual war in this country. All right? 
I'm not talking about the civil unrest we're going through right now. I'm talking about a spiritual war for the soul of this country. And what this country needs this morning is some of God's people to decide, you know what? We're no longer going to be complacent. We're no longer going to be satisfied that we're going to step up and we're going to come be helpers of the war. You know, the only thing that is necessary for darkness to rule is for light to be vacant. When light leaves, darkness comes. Darkness is always at the mercy of light. And we see darkness marching across our our country where people are proud about taking the unborn lives. And we're wondering how that's happening. It's happening in the absence of good people to carry on the work of God. That's the problem. And we complain about it. But guess what? We're the problem. Why? Because we're not willing to come and be helpers of the war. I've never seen such a toxic spirit in our country. I've never seen that. I wasn't around during the Civil War. Some of you might be able to tell me about that. But I wasn't around then, but obviously they were divided back then. But I don't know if there was such a divisive spirit of discord even then. Or when you disagree with someone, you have to destroy them. And this spirit of division, it's a toxic spirit that's dividing and going to destroy our nation. If God's people don't decide, hey, I'm going to step up and be a helper in the war. Understand this morning, folks, America in the shape it's in, it's in the shape it's in because there's not enough helpers to the war. What does Ezekiel say? The Bible says he sought for a man that would stand in the gap and to make up a hedge for what? For the land. He says the land is in need of someone to help it out. And yet the Bible says he found none. Now I understand that says just men this morning, but understand that means all of us. Listen, if you're a born again child of God, you have the opportunity to be a helper of the war. But here's our problem. We don't have the heart for it. We've already given our heart to other things. Our heart belongs to our hobbies and our desires and our ambitions. And that's why we can't give our heart to be a helper in the war. And I hate to tell you this, our hobbies, our ambitions, and our desires all go down the tubes when we lose the spiritual war that we're in right now. Understand that this morning. I believe for far too long we've hoped for change. Well, there's nothing wrong with hoping for it. We've hoped for change, but we've not helped bring about change. Look, hope needs help. All right? Hope needs help. We can hope things get better and hope our country turns around and hope our kids have a country that we would want them to live in. But sooner or later, you've got to decide, are you going to help out hope? Because hoping alone is not going to get it done. Why? Ephesians 6.12. The Bible says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Folks, we need to understand that this morning. Don't get caught up in all this divisiveness in our country. I don't like this person. They don't like me because, you know, they're a Republican. I'm a Democrat or whatever it is. I don't like them because they like this football team and all of that. Look, don't get caught up in all of that. That's a smokescreen. The problem is this. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Can I tell you something this morning? Men, I realize that we're at war in America. We're at war. The division, the toxic spirit is just a result of the spiritual war that we're having, all because there's not enough helpers. We don't have enough helpers for the war. Many years ago, I was a teenager, not too many years ago, but many years ago, I was a teenager. And my dad, we would do some working on Saturdays there at our house and at the camp. 
And uh, we had a couple of neighbors, good guys, but uh, not very ambitious when it comes to manual labor. We'll just put it that way to be nice. And we're out there digging a trench one day, you know, with a shovel, and that's, that's sure enough work. And we're out there digging this trench, and they pull up on their bicycles. My dad says, hey, guys, good to see you all today. And uh, they said, hey, Brother Jack, good to see you all. And they just hung around. My dad says, boys, we're working today, and if you'd like to help, you're more than welcome to help. Uh, but if you don't want to help, I don't want you to distract my boys from working, okay? He said, but if you want to help, I'll be more than glad to ha- give you a shovel to be a part of the work. Can I tell you something? They didn't have the heart for it. They just didn't have the heart for it, you know. They got on their bikes and they went back to the house. And how often is that a picture of the church? Look, there's a great work going on. There's a great need going on. And we've got to do more than just complain about it, okay? We've got to do more than just go on a tirade on social media. Look, there's nothing wrong with sharing your opinion. But sooner or later, you've got to decide, are you going to be a helper of the war? Here's God bringing together David's people. God's bringing all of these people together. And they said, you know what? There's a great need there. We're going to go and help out the war. You read the book of Obadiah. The Bible tells us something quite interesting. The Bible talks about the condemnation of Edom. The nation of Edom that was there, the Bible shows us the condemnation was they sat idly by. And they watched the Chaldeans come in and ransack Jerusalem. And when you read it, the Bible says you just stood there and you watched it happen. You didn't give them help. As a matter of fact, as they went into Jerusalem and ransacked Jerusalem, the Edomites went in and they actually picked some things off themselves. And that is the case, I believe, this morning. The great condemnation for them is the same for us. We're sitting back and we're watching our country go downhill and we're standing idly by off to the side. Why all that was fought for us that we might have and given to us by the grace of God goes down the tubes. Listen to what they said. In Obadiah, the Bible says in verse 11, In the day that thou stoodest on the other side, in the day that strangers carried away captive his forces, and foreigners entered into his gates. What does it say? It says, the day that thou stoodest on the other side. This morning we see the problem. We recognize the problem. We can complain about the problem. We even post about the problem. Here's our problem. We're still standing on the other side. We haven't made up our mind. We're going to be helpers in the war. And then we're actually going to be a part of carrying on the great country that was given to us. So number one, how do we carry this on? Well, verse one, we see some people who had a heart to help. I was thinking about this this morning before I left the office. For so long, we've been hesitant to go to war spiritually, okay? A lot of times, we're more ready to go to war physically than we are spiritually. When the problem is a spiritual problem in America. We've been so hesitant to go to war. Here's what I fear. The war that we would not go to, I fear it's now come to us. We were content. We were happy. We had our own life. Everything was good in our world. There was no need for us to be engaged. And yet now that war has come to our doorstep. What is needed this morning is some people with a heart to help. To decide this morning, look at the last four words. I want to be one of those helpers of the war. Acts chapter 16, we see Paul at Troas. The apostle Paul is trying to get his bearings of where God wants him to go. He's trying to decide, does he go to Bithynia or Phrygia? Trying to decide all that. And the Holy Spirit says no. The Holy Spirit says, don't go to either one of those. And then during the night, the Bible says in Acts 16, that he had a vision of a man from Macedonia saying what? Come over and help us. I believe this morning that's exactly what we need for America, not Macedonia. God's people need to get a vision of America and the fact that America is in desperate need of help today. 
When you watch the news and you see the looting and things burning down and people being murdered and people slandering one another and just so easily berating one another's character, can I tell you what that is? That ought to give you a vision that America needs help. And it's God's people that are supposed to be the helpers of the war, but we're too preoccupied in our own life and what we desire to do. So number one, how do we carry on the work? We've come together, but how do we carry it on? Well, we need helpers of the war. Now, look down, if you will, all the way to verse 32. We could spend months in chapter 12, but we're not. Don't panic, okay? We could spend months there, but we're not. We're just going to pick out three or four. The Bible says in verse 32, And the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. There's something very important I want you to notice. There's something that a group of men from Issachar brought to the battle, that brought to the service of the Lord that was very needed. They had an understanding of something. The Bible says in verse 32, they had an understanding of the times. Number two, I'll tell you, you'll find it a whole lot easier to be a helper of the war if you would just understand the times we're living in. I see people with such a lackadaisical attitude toward the work and the will of God today. Sometimes I wonder whether or not as many folks are as saved as they say they are. Because you've got America on fire spiritually and God's people are sitting on their water buckets. We have the answer of what they're looking for. You know know what I think the problem is? We don't have what they had in verse number 32. We don't understand the times. We don't understand the times that we're living in. You know, if you have a heart to help, it's because you realize the times that we're living in. I see people volunteering to help. They want to go to work. They want to be a part of the work of God here at Central Baptist Church. Do you know what's motivating a lot of them? They're understanding the times. They realize the times that we're living in. You know, understanding the times will help you know what you need to do. Ain't that what verse 32 says? Men that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. You see, if you just understood the times that we're living in, you would know exactly what you needed to be doing. And yet you see what Christians are doing today, or the lack of what Christians are doing, it's evident we do not understand the times we're living in. You know, time is a great motivator, isn't it? I like to sit down from time to time. I really do. Uh, I'll uh, get dressed for church, and I'll go sit down. Or usually the last thing I do is my hair. You know, it's a lot. It just takes, you got to get it just right. Those few hairs to cover up the bald spot that they're looking at right now. You got to get it just right, okay? And so I'll get dressed and I'll go sit on the couch and I'll just relax a little bit. The last thing I do is I'll brush my hair before I leave the house. And my wife comes in there and she'll say, Do you realize what time it is? I say, What time is it? And I'll look down and realize it's, we're 10 minutes late from getting to the church so we get everything set up this morning or something along that line. What happened? Realizing what time it was motivated me to get about what I knew that I needed to be doing. How often are you late to work? Have you ever been late for work? Be honest. Come on. Been late for church? How many of you were almost late this morning? All right. Almost late? All right. Very good. That means most of you were on time. Do you know what motivated you? You want to be on time. You realize what time it was. I have this nifty little watch, and it reminds me exactly what time it is. And I know it even reminds me of my appointment. Sometimes I don't know if it's a sin to tell a watch to shut up, but sometimes I just want to tell my watch to shut up. Siri, look, I don't mind my wife telling me what to do, uh, but Siri, you know, sometimes she just needs to back off, reminding me I have an appointment here and have to go here and have to do that and meet with so-and-so and phone calls and all these, that, and the other. But you know what that does? Understanding what time it is helps me stay on track to do the things that I need to do. Now, folks, can I tell you something? I don't think today we realize what time it is. I don't think we realize that. 
You know, our whole life, we've lived in the, the bountiful plenty of the United States of America. You say, well, I grew up on, on, on the dirt poor road. Look, I promise you, if you grew up in the United States of America, you grew up prosperous. Okay? Look, you may have grown up and you had to live in a one-room house, but I assure you, there's people in third-world countries that would love to grow up in that one-room house. God's blessed us. We've gotten so comfortable and so complacent, and I think we've been lulled to sleep spiritually. And we don't realize what time it is. Notice, in the work of God, it was important that there be some people who came to the work who understood the times and realized, you know what? We've got to get to work. Hey, God's working in the midst of all of this virus. Hey, let's be a part of that. They understood the times. What does the Bible tell us in Psalms chapter 90, verse 12? So teach us to number our days. Why does the Bible tell us that? I'm glad you asked. The second part of the verse tells you. The Bible says that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Teach us to number our days. God, help us to understand what time it is. God, help us to realize that we don't have much time to work and that this life, the Bible says, is but a vapor. I've met a few people in my life that were over 100 years old. I don't think we have any 100-year-old folks here uh, in the church. You might feel 100 years old, but I don't think we have any people that are 100 years old in here. But I've met a few people that are 100 years old. I'm thinking, good night, the things you saw in your life, you know, black and white TV, VCRs. (laughs) I mean, things from the way back of the olden days, you know. Look, I remember the TVs that had the two dials, the VHF and the UHF. Remember that? You clicked it and all the way around, and you had the rabbit ears. I can even remember uh, the, the house we lived at in seminary when I was a kid. had an antenna outside, and we'd open the windows, and you bear-hugged the antenna, and you kind of did a dance with it to get the TV stations to come in. I mean, you really did. And my dad would holler from the living room. My brother would relay the message down the hallway. Ho! But by the time the message got there, we'd already passed Wheel of Fortune, and we had to come back and go back again. And whoa, just right. Just right. And just about the time that you get in the house, the wind would blow and move it off. And now we're, now we're on PBS. Who wants to watch that? I have to go back out there and we'll dial it back around to Wheel of Fortune. Folks, can I tell you something? You may live to be 100 years and can remember the good old days of back then. But if you live to be 150, your life is still but a vapor. But sometimes we forget the time, don't we? Sometimes we we think we're invincible. I'm an American, and hey, we can do whatever we want. We have all the money that we want, and we have all the intelligence that we want. And we forget the clock is still ticking. The clock is still ticking. John 9, 4, Jesus shows us this principle. He lays a pattern for us. He says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh, and no man can work. Here's Jesus, our example. What is he doing? He's reminding us, be mindful of the time. Here's Jesus. He had 33 years to accomplish what his father sent him to do. And here's Christ showing us, you know what, I've got to be mindful of my time. Because why? The night is coming when no man can work. Can I tell you something? The night is coming. The night is coming. Unless I'm just dead wrong by this and I'm just giving you my opinion, the sun is setting. The sun is setting. We're about to be out of here. And I'm looking forward to getting out of here. But we were singing about it a while ago, about seeing him on his throne and being spending eternity in heaven with him. Look, I'm looking forward to that, but understand, we've got a work to do before he comes. And we're behind schedule. Why? Because we're not being mindful. We're not understanding the times. Several years ago, probably about 16, I was seeing my beautiful fiance. Where she's at? I don't know. You're in the choir? There she is. See her smiling behind me. And that's because she's married to me. Uh, 
And I had a curfew. I was 24, 25 years old, but I still lived in my dad's house. And so still living under his house, I mean, I still lived under his rules. I think it's a great idea. I know I'm weird, but I think it's a great idea. My curfew was midnight, but understand she lived three hours away. So that meant at the stroke of 9 o'clock, I better have that little PT cruiser on the own ramp of I-20 in Monroe, Louisiana. And buddy, let me tell you something. It may look like a pregnant roller skate, but I could get that little car boogie in. <laughs> I'd come around the corner. I'd get on the on ramp. It was a stick shift. I just love a stick shift. I would drop it back down a couple of gears, stick my foot in it, hit that on ramp. Just go. I had another friend who called it a hearse for midgets. Didn't appreciate that too much. I'm so old. I remember when PT Cruisers were cool. <laughs> Man, I'm hitting that road, and I'm booking it down the road, and I may have to stop go to the bathroom. I'm not stopping. I might want something from Taco Bell. I don't have time to stop. Why? Because I realized the time, and my dad was kind of serious about it. He had rules, and he kind of backed them up. I didn't know what he was going to do if I, if I was late. I really didn't know if he was going to lock me out of the house, make me sleep outside or something along that line. But he was serious about it. Do you know what kept me moving? I understood the time. Realize I don't have a whole lot of time to get home. And, you know, I'm sitting there at a mom and dad's house. We were always chaperones. So I'm sitting there with our mom and dad's house, and we're just staring at each other, smiling. You know, you used to do that when you loved your spouse. I still do it. My wife thinks it's creepy sometimes now. You know, she wakes up, and I'm just laying there smiling at her. Because I still love her, amen. Some of you need to fall back in love with your spouse. I'll be sitting there staring at her. And she's staring at me. And. I said, well, I guess I got to go. Yeah, I guess you do. I'll go in just a minute. And I knew about to the exact minute of when I had to pull out of 951 McGowan Road Extension. I knew how long it was going to take me to get there. And I want you to know I was booking it. No stops, no detours. Why? I understood the time. And folks, look, there's no longer time for us to have any more spiritual detours. Okay. There's no longer time for us to get off on our own will and our own way, chasing our own dreams and our own ambitions. It's time for us to get about the will and the work of God. We've got to realize this morning, number one, we've got to be helpers of the war. The war effort is in desperate need of help. Listen, even Rosie the Riveter stepped up when there was a great need in the war effort back then. And yet God's people won't step up to be a helper of the war. Why? We don't understand the times. You know, turn with me if you will. We've got a few minutes, okay? 2 Timothy chapter 3, speaking of understanding the time. I know you're thinking right now. It's already past 12 o'clock. It's 12.12 to be exact. Just want you to know, full service pastor, I'll give you the time. 2 Timothy chapter number 3, look down to verse 1. The Bible says, this know that in the last days, you know what the word last is? It's a timing word. If you're last in line, it's showing you the order, okay? This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Could we all agree this morning we're living in perilous times? Perilous. Where people are proud about the murdering of the innocent unborn in their mother's womb. Proud of that. Perilous times. But wait a minute. When are these perilous times going to come? The Bible says in the last days. Let's see exactly what these perilous times look like. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Verse 3, with unnat- with, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, 
Got some political ads there, I'm sure. Incontinent, fierce. Fierce. You watch the news. Everybody's fired up and fierce about something. Despisers of those that are good. I think I see a few of those things happening now. Verse 4, traitors. A few people this morning ought to be brought up on treason in our country. Heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. I think we're living in perilous times. The Bible says that perilous times, these are the last days. Folks, look, if we just understood the times, you become a helper of the war. You would. You'd sign up. If you realized how bad things were and realized how close to the end we were, you'd sign up to be a part of whatever it is that God desired you do. I think we'd have more people step up and desire to be engaged if we just realized the time. What is our great excuse? I'll give you mine. My great excuse for not serving God when he desires me to serve him is often the faulty idea that I'll do it later. We're too smart to tell God no, aren't we? I hope so. All right, we're not that bad, are we? We're too smart to tell God no, so it's like me telling my wife about the garbage. I don't tell her I'm not going to take it out. I just tell her I'm going to take it out later. For some odd reason, that's not an acceptable answer sometimes to her, so she stacks it in front of the door where I can't get to my car until I move the garbage. But it's easier to say later than no, correct? But what if there's not a later? What if this is it? What if this Central Baptist Church is the last one? What if we are on the last lap of this relay and God says, look, it's up to you to bring this thing home, but you're not running with fervor, you're not running with fire. Can I tell you why? We don't understand the times. We're so distracted by all that we like and all that we want and all that we desire that we don't realize time's getting short. And I fear he's going to catch us. The trump of God's going to sound and he's going to catch us, not realizing what time it was. So number two, we look down at verse 32, and we see those who came to be a part of the work were people who had an understanding of the times. The Bible says they understood the times. Why? To know what Israel ought to do. Luke 14, the Bible gives us the parable of the Great Supper. He goes and invites these gentlemen, three gentlemen, to the supper. And what did one say? I bought a piece of land, and I can't come. One had bought a yoke of oxen and must go prove them. The other says, I have married a wife and cannot come. You know what they were saying? I just don't have time for that. But if they realized that that offer was a limited time offer. You know, on TV, when they tell you it's a limited time offer, you know they're lying to you, right? And when they tell you it's as seen on TV only, you're going to see it in Walmart in just a couple of weeks, okay? Just calm down. It's going to show up. And then four weeks after that, it's going to show up in dirt cheap. I mean, come on. Just hang in there long enough, learn some patience, and you can get it half price. I mean, who cares if that frying pan had one egg cooked in it, okay? Just be patient, and sooner or later you'll get it. I mean, folks, good grief. Limited time offer. Limited edition. I used to be a sucker for things that were limited editions. I would buy anything. Wheaties boxes, limited edition, limited edition. They smelled me coming. Well, nothing limited about that. It was in every grocery store in the state of Mississippi and around the country. The world's going to lie to you and have you think that what it offers to you is a limited edition. You better get it now. Oh, look, you don't have time for God right now. You better get all that the world has to offer. What they're not telling you is it's severely limited. You say, what do you mean by that? It's just limited to this life. 
Do you know why Moses said no? Watch this. Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says that Moses chose to suffer affliction with the people of God. He chose affliction. He chose a difficult time. Why? Rather than suffer, or the Bible says rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for what? Season. You know what season is? A short amount of time. You know what Moses did? Here's what Moses did. The world offered Moses all of what Egypt had to offer. Here's what Moses did, okay? He goes... He probably had a sundial, okay? He didn't have an Apple Watch, but he probably had a sundial. Look at his old sundial. He goes, you know what? I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. Wait a minute. It's the treasures and splendors and pleasures of Egypt. Moses, do you know what you're turning down? He says, yeah, I don't have time for that because I'm looking for something that's going to be more lasting. You see, Moses chose the right way because he understood. Folks, look, we wouldn't be in a rush to get out of here today if we understood the times. We wouldn't be in a rush to get to to KFC or to Popeye's. Look, it's going to be warm when you get there sooner or later. They'll microwave it if they have to. But, folks, we need to hear this today. We've got to understand the times. Why? Because God's brought us back together at this place for a great work. But if we don't understand the times, we're not going to know what Israel or what Central ought to do. Look down, if you will, real quickly. I'll give you the third thing. Verse 33, the Bible says of Zebulun. Let's look at another group of people. The first group of people were helpers for the war. The second group of people were those who had an understanding of the times. The third group of people is in verse 33 of Zebulun. The Bible says, such as went forth to battle, expert in war with all instruments of war, 50,000, here it comes, which could keep rank. Which could keep rank. Now, this is important. These men that came to be a part of the work could keep rank. What does that mean? It means they could hold their position. It means that no matter how hot the battle got and no how tense the how tense the fighting got, they were going to hold their position and they were going to keep their rank. Can I tell you something? There's too many of us that scatter when things get hot. There's too many of us that, that, that run off and leave God high and dry when a little persecution comes along our way. And can I tell you, if the work of God is going to carry on at Central Baptist Church, God's allowed us to come together, but one of the keys for our work to carry on is going to be this, number three, a commitment to keep rank. A commitment to keep rank. Can I tell you what God was calling these men to do? The battle was going to be fierce. The battle was going to get hot. The pushback and the persecution was going to be difficult for what they were coming to do, and it was going to require some men that could keep rank. Can I tell you one of the things that our church and churches all over this country need? It's men that can keep rank. What does that mean? Some men that can hold our position. If there's one thing I know for sure, I don't know what America's future holds. I really don't. I don't know how this election is going to go. I don't know how God's working in all of this, but I do know God's working in all of this. Aren't you glad? I don't know what our future holds, but I'll tell you this. I am certain that our positions upon the word of God are going to be challenged. It's already happening in California. For some odd reason, they always set the precedent for the rest of the country. It's coming our way. Our position and our stand is going to be challenged. And God help us this morning if we don't have some men that can be committed to keep their rank to hold the line and to take a stand for where God has called us to stand. Listen, they're wilting right and left. 
It gets hot. Persecution comes. Mama don't like it. The kids don't like it. And lo and behold, here's what happens. The men fade. What happens? They don't keep rank. We just need this morning some Christians. By the way, that includes moms too, children's too, some young people. But was it a blessing some of our kids up here this morning? I told somebody last night, I said, we've got to turn out some young people that can hold the line. I mean, you think we have seen a lot in our lifetime. They're going to see exponentially worse. God, help us at Central Baptist Church to turn out a generation of young people that can keep the rank and hold the line, that will speak up when things are not right, that will take a stand when they even have to stand alone. This past week, Brother TJ came by and uh, visited with us for a little while. And by the way, glad to have Brother Brent and his family with us. It was a special day to bring him in. By the way, he's preaching tonight. I want to invite anyone who'd like. You're more than welcome to come and hear some good preaching tonight. After this, you're going to need some good preaching, all right? So he'll be here tonight preaching for us at 5 o'clock. Brother TJ came by this week, and uh, he was preaching down at Lighthouse Baptist in Theodore, Alabama. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but they're our rival, all right? In Christian love, but they're our rival all the same. Volleyball, football, whatever it is, they're our rival. Well, they get down to the hotel to check into the hotel, and uh, he says, I'm T.J. Mitchell. I'm checking in here, and the name will be under Lighthouse Theodore. All of a sudden, his kids look up at him and says, Dad, are we going to that church? He said, yeah, that's where I'm preaching. We can't go there. That's our enemy. That's our arch rival. We can't go there. And I thought to myself, man, look, if we could get that and our young people for the cause of Christ and the will and the word of God, look, this country is going to look better after they're finished with it than we were. Why? Because they're willing to speak up on things that they know they're supposed to stand against. Okay? No, I love Lighthouse Theodore. All right? Don't go telling them I don't love them. Matter of fact, we sent them flowers this morning. It's their 20th anniversary of their church, and we sent them some flowers to uh, congratulate them on that. But folks, can I tell you, we get more fired up about our enemies on the other side of a ball team than we do about the enemies against the Word of God. I mean, look, LSU stinks this year. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Amen. Everybody together. One, two, three. Amen. They just stink this year. All right. I'm willing to own it. And we get fired up about stuff like that. You know, our country is on fire. Because we don't have any helpers in the war. Because we don't understand the times. And we're not willing to commit to keep rank. If we're going to make a change in this world, we're going to have to be willing to hold the line. And maintain the stand for what God has called us to. Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, none of these things move me. Now, what was he talking about? He's on his way to do the will of God, and he knows that bonds and afflictions wait for him. He knows in the line of duty, there's going to be pushback and persecution. But what did he say? None of these things move me. He says, I'm going to keep rank. I know where God's called me. I know what God's called me to do. And not even persecution or death is going to cause me to step off the line. And oh, if we just had some of that in our tanks today, to be willing to commit that I'm going to keep rank. So what is keeping rank? Notice it says there in verse 33, the Bible says, men, that could keep rank. We all claim rank, don't we? This is where I stand. Bless God, ain't nobody going to take away my guns. And am I going to take away this from me and this, that, and the other? And yet they're like, but yeah, you can have this. I'm not going to fight for this. You know what keeping rank means? And I'm going to hurry, okay? I promise. I'm going to hurry. But stick with me. Keeping rank means holding on to what you've claimed. You can claim it all you want all day long. But what's going to matter in the end is that you keep what you claimed. You know, out west, back years ago, they had the gold rush and people out there staking what? 
claims. You go out there, you find you a hole, you're going to dig it in the ground, try to find you some gold, everybody's going to get rich, right? And you stake a claim. Well, staking the claim was not the hard part. The hard part was keeping your claim. Do you know why? That's where we get the term claim jumpers. Sooner or later, somebody is going to jump on your claim. And the only way you're going to keep your claim is you're going to have to fight for it. And you know why we're losing this country? We claimed it, but we're not keeping it because we're not willing to fight for those who've jumped our claim spiritually. Number three this morning, we've got to have some people that are committed to keep rank. I want to tell you this, and I'll give you the last point, and the last one's the shortest, so don't get discouraged. I have had to apologize to a lot of people over the last seven months, and it was, it was sincere apologies because I have let a lot of people down and some things have fallen through the cracks. I haven't checked on folks like I should and just got busy with all this is going on, trying to keep the world afloat and forget about things, that and the other. And I want you to know I'm going to fail you. Okay, would you write that down? I'm going to fail you sooner or later. But you need to resolve that even when the pastor fails you and the song leader fails you, the assistant pastors fail you, but whoever fails you, that you're going to keep rank. Because I assure you, it's going to come sooner or later. I'm going to disappoint you. I'm going to let you down. I'm going to hurt your feelings. But you need to decide, no matter what, I know what God's called me to. I know where God's called me to stand. And I'm just going to keep rank. It's too easy for us to jump ship on God. And we just need some people today for the sake of the United States of America who are willing to take a stand, not only claim it, but keep it. Number four, and this is the last thing. The Bible says at the end of verse number 33, 50,000 which could keep rank, they were not of a double heart. They were not of a double heart. I want you to notice this next group here. They were focused on the task at hand. The last thing they need and that we need to carry out the work for which God has allowed us to come together for is a focus, listen close, that's forward. A focus that's forward. Too often... We as the people of God are caught between what God wants for us and what we want for us. And we're drawn back to where God has saved us from. And yet God is calling us forward. But here's why we're not moving forward. We have a double heart. We have a double heart. Our focus, you can't decide which side we're going to be on. Right now in America, the most coveted demographic in this election is undecided voters. Undecided voters. I don't know how you're an undecided voter. I don't know how. I'm just going to be honest with you. You can get mad at me. Never come back. That's okay. But listen to me. It's very clear to see where God stands. God stands for life. If anything, that ought to matter to somebody. That ought to matter to somebody. But here in America, we're caught between two. We can't get focused. We are what? Double-hearted. We're those undecided voters. Can I tell you, the future of America is not going to be decided by the undecided voters. It's going to be decided by the undecided Christians. Those that are of a double heart. James chapter 1, verse 8, the Bible says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Why are our homes so unstable? Why are our churches so unstable? Why is our country so unstable? We're double-minded. We're double-hearted. Notice it said these guys that came, they could keep rank. They were not of a double heart. This morning, I would ask you this before we close. I would ask you the same question that Elijah asked Israel. How long halt ye between two opinions? It's time for the people of God to make up their mind. 
It's time for us to make up their mind. Now listen to me, folks. I'm not talking about making up our mind of who we're going to vote for. That ought to be a given. It's talking about making up our mind on which side we're going to be on and quit being double-hearted. Hey, listen, let's make a commitment that this is the direction God's called us to go. This is the church God's called us to be at. And no matter what comes our way, we're going to keep rank. Why? Because we're not going to be double-hearted. There is no back option. There is no fallback. There's only one direction for us, and that's a focus that is forward. Folks, this church could change this city if we would just make up our mind that we're going to focus forward and quit being double-hearted. This morning, I believe God's calling us to sell out. He's calling us to make up our minds so the work of God can carry on. Now, we pray for seven months. God, let us come back. God, let us come back. I mean, I've worried that we weren't, and now God's let, here we are. We're here. We're not all here. We've got some folks still watching by live stream, but God's let a lot of us get back here today. God's allowed us to come together, but here's the question. Is this all we wanted? Is this all we wanted? We just wanted to get back in this building and see people that we're used to seeing? Or have we decided that we've come together to carry on? That's why God brought us back here. God's given us through his grace a space of grace. I don't know how long this window's going to be open, but God's given us a space of grace to be back in this building. We've come together. Now let's carry on. How do we do that? Very, very simple. Number one, you need a heart to help. Why don't you decide this morning, I want to help the war effort. I'm not talking about in America. I'm talking about in the spiritual war. Number two, why don't you decide this morning, I'm going to understand the times and realize I don't have as much time left as I think I do. The trump of God's going to be sounding, and we're going to be getting out of here, and he's going to catch you not understanding the times. Maybe this morning you've got to make a greater commitment to keep rank. Maybe you've been slipping and sliding and stepping away from where God's called you to be and what God's called you to do. Listen, it's time to commit. You're going to keep rank. If this is where God's called you, plant down and stay there. Hold on to what God's called us to do, and let's move forward. If for nothing else, the sake of all of those children that were up here earlier, whatever this church means to you, they're going to need that times 10. Let's make sure we secure it for them. How? By committing to keep rank. And then finally, let's focus forward. Let's quit, quit being double-hearted. Let's keep quit waiting for the world to give us a better offer. We turn our back on God. Let's close the door on that one. And let's carry on with the work of God for Central Baptist Church. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed.